0: Welcome everyone to Debt Talk Live. I'm your host, Viz. I want to welcome all of our viewers from around the world. Thank you so much for being patient and waiting for the show to start. You guys are the best audience in the world. If you are joining us for the first time and want more information about our show, please visit us on the web at DebtTalkLive.com. And I got to explain to you guys, have you noticed over the last week, two weeks. I've been starting five, six, seven minutes late. There's a reason behind it. Um, I'm trying to get this Dead Talk News website perfect, up and running the way I want it to be. And I got to be honest with you guys, it's a big pain in the ass. It really is. It's not like our Dead Talk Live site. Uh, you know, that's pretty straightforward. When you're putting together a news Site where you eventually at some point want to compete with the big boys out there, there are so many elements that go into that, it is maddening. Maddening. Uh, a while back, several years back, more than that, uh, I actually used to design websites, uh, people would pay me to design their websites. This is before the big mobile boom. And everything is now, you know, has to be designed for PCs and for mobile, which really makes it a big pain in the ass. (laughs) There's no other way to put it. It's a big pain in the ass. And Google, of course, being the number one search engine, and they pretty much, I got to tell you guys, Google controls the internet. There is not a doubt in my mind that Google controls the internet and i'm not just saying only their google services which are a lot i'm telling you websites in order to show up on their search you have to conform to the exact specifications that they lay out for you and they have put up a whole bunch of tools that you can check and double check and they're even nice enough if a page comes back with an error to say hey you know Hey, dipshit, this this is not you know configured properly. Go back and fix it. Uh, you know, they don't use the word dipshit. They say it in a nicer way, but the message is pretty much the same. So anyway, I really want to get this new site the way I want it. I am kind of a perfectionist. I, even the smallest little thing that might be off bothers me. <laughs> I can't just look the other way. It bothers me. And I want this site to be something really special, not only the same ragtag, you know, headlines that are reprinted by different outlets. I want it to be something really different where, yeah, we have news headlines, we have summaries of all our guest interviews, and we've had plenty on this show. I also want it to be a place to post fan fiction as well. So, if any of you guys are writers of horror fan fiction, uh, I haven't posted one yet. I actually received my first entry today. I, I am going to start posting them. I want it to be something different. I want it to be a place where people can go and just read whatever they want. And you know how I am about the news. I hate clickbait. I hate... How you open up a story and 98% of it is just filler and well, what I like to call fluff. And only 2% of the story is why you clicked on it on the first place. So I will rather keep an article short, but keep it to the point rather than make a whatever predefined amount of words that have to be in an article. Uh, and fill it up with a bunch of BS. And only have one paragraph be the whole point of the entire article if I can get my whole point or the writers I've been bringing on a lot of writers uh, uh, to join this team and to write for this new uh, new site uh, you know if it's just one paragraph long it's one paragraph long and that's perfectly fine with me so if we have any aspiring writers out there and you're interested in joining our entire Dead Talk team, send me your stuff. I'd love to read it. I'd love to post it. And even if I know there are a lot of people out there who write fan fiction. Uh, it's a big, huge thing. And it's uh, it's amazing. There is so much talent out there. Uh, I would love if you guys are willing to share it, have it posted. As you know, we have a combined following of 340,000 Followers combined on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, and uh, Twitter. So each article that I post does get advertised on all of our social media networks. So you will get it viewed, and you it will be viewed by a lot of people. So if you want to get your stories out there, if you're a writer of fan fiction, or if you're just a writer. And want to write about horror stories. Anything horror related. Submit it. Submit it to me. Right now the submission page is only working on Chrome. That's an issue that I hope to have fixed. By the end of tonight. Uh, But email it. For now. If you don't use Chrome. My email is plastered all over deadtalknews.com You can email it to me. And I'll review it. I'll post it. Of course you'll get full credit for your work. But you know. That's, that's why I've been coming on late, not a, really late, but anywhere between five to eight minutes late every day, and my apologies for that. I want to say hello to all of our great viewers, uh, well, some of the majority of you. We have, of course, our moderators, Khaleesi, Singercheck. Saz is moderating. On the Instagram side, we have Marie, I think she's there, moderating. Uh, welcome to CC Wheezy. Let's see, going down the list, Rick Grimes, Sammy is joining us. Lindsay Sparks from Canada is joining us. It's cold down here in Virginia. I can't imagine how cold it is in Canada right now. It is butt-ass cold outside. And that wind just makes it feel like you're in the Antarctic tundra. That's how cold it is in Virginia right now. Welcome to Lisa, let's see, just going down the list here, uh, trying to get to as many of you as you can, welcome to Philip on Instagram, we have Dom7778, let's see, we have 79 with us, Yalier, Marie is with us, there she is on Instagram, Pedro, hello to Pedro on Instagram, hello to Kat, hello to Martin who have just joined us on Instagram, all right. It is Friday. It is Friday, right? It's Friday. Uh, it's the start of the weekend. Lindsay Sparks says it is cold here in Canada. Yeah, I bet it is cold in Canada. Like I said, we're freezing our asses off here and we're in the mid-Atlantic. Uh, so there's a big cold whatever you want to call it hovering over, you know, the western hemisphere. Uh, CC Weezy right? it's cold here in the south. I can only imagine. Yeah. Yeah, got to love January and February, you know, down in the Southern Hemisphere right now, they're enjoying, they're in the middle of summer. People in Australia are like on the back barbecuing. We all, we all know how much those Australians love to throw uh, shrimp on the Barbie or whatever the hell they call it out there barbecuing in the middle. They, you know, they barbecue at Christmas time. You got to remember south of the equator right now, it's they're in the middle of summer. Uh, and that's just that's that, that's just fascinating to me. That's one of the reasons why a lot of the places that I want to visit before I die is south of the equator. I want to go to Australia. I want to go to South Africa. I want to go to New Zealand. I want to visit Southeast Asia. And just to experience what it's like for it to be summer during the months of January and February. That would just freak me out. <laughs> Having never been south of the equator, that would just freak me out. And I just want to experience it. Evan on Instagram wants to know, do you think Connie will have the bite on her neck like the comic for Andrea? Oh, wow, never thought of that. So you think, Evan, that the reason why Connie on The Walking Dead is so disoriented and disheveled which is how we saw her in the final few moments of that finale is because she's infected i've never thought of that that's out of all the scenarios that we have tried to game out here as to why she was the way she was so disheveled confused wandering around finally collapsing to the floor before virgil finds her on his horse is she infected if she is her time on the show is going to be very limited and it's going to break the hearts of a lot of people who are expecting connie and daryl to hook up but i wouldn't put it past them i would not put it past the walking dead writers to do something like that to us Uh, you know connie was missing for the entire half of the second part of season 10 They brought her back only to just take her away from us, either in these six episodes that we're getting in a month from now or in the beginning of season 11. I don't think we're going to see Connie in any of these six extra episodes. Connie and Virgil, they're, I don't know, they're being left, in my opinion, till season 11, which is hopefully going to start in October of this year. Um, I don't think we're going to see either of those two in any of the six bonus episodes. But that's a good theory there, Evan. I've never uh, never thought of it. Never thought of that. That never even crossed my mind. Could Connie be infected? Lisa writes, I hope she's not. Khaleesi writes, I love Connie. Uh, Colette, talking about the southern hemisphere. Too many poisonous critters for me. Yeah, that is true. Australia is full of of uh creatures critters uh thousands of them that can kill you and that's not a big pro in my list to go down there but i'm willing to fight through it poisonous snakes and a whole bunch of other crap that will definitely kill you in australia hell i think if, even if you get kicked by a kangaroo that's powerful enough to kill you uh cc writes i thought she was just exhausted and dehydrated she could very well be talking about connie she could very well be just exhausted dehydrated wandering the woods for a while uh trying to find her way back to her friends uh or like evan just said on instagram she could be infected i would not put it past them anyway let's get on to some news uh today by the way if Hopefully, we get to the enough time to do it. We are going to be talking about movies, and this is not exclusive just to horror movies. It spans every genre out there, where at the beginning of the movie or on the movie poster or on the trailer, where you see those words based on real events or based on true events. However way they phrase it, it's the same thing. And you watch the movie, and let's say you actually research the quote-unquote real events that this movie was based on, or TV show, was based on, and you read the actual story, and uh, yeah, very loosely used interpretation of based on real events. And then you have the big fake-outs, okay, like paranormal activity. The Blair Witch Project uh, where they set it up with opening text leading you to believe that those what you're about to see did occur and everybody fell for it when the Blair Witch Project came out in the 90s uh, there were people that I was one of them I was duped I was duped into believing that there were these three people that went into the woods in west virginia and they were never heard from again until somebody found their recording devices and found the footage so they got me the first time they haven't gotten me since so every time i see a movie now and in the opener or a tv show and in the opener they put based on real true events i take it with a big grain of salt and if i'm actually interested or curious enough after i finish watching it I will go and research the real events to see all the different changes they made. And a great example is the Conjuring movies. Uh, The Warrens, okay? who They are the center of uh, the the Conjuring movies. Ed and Lorraine Warren, they were pioneers uh, back at a time where if you thought ghosts existed, you were... You were laughed at, called crazy. People were afraid to, you know, mention that something weird might be going on in their house or anything like that. They were pioneers. There were, uh, you know, uh, who else was a pioneer? Uh, Hans. What was his last name? Hans Holzberger, I believe. Uh, there's a TV show about his uh, investigations in the 60s that's actually pretty good on the Travel Channel, it's called the Hol- Holzer Files or something like that. Uh, anyway, going back to the Conjuring movies, uh, it is based on two real people, Ed and Lorraine Warren. Ed passed away several years ago. Lorraine passed away quite recently. Uh, and they were pioneers. They were demonologists. Uh, you could probably say they were probably the first people to call themselves demonologists and they would go around and investigate the paranormal uh not on their own a lot of the times they were sanctioned by the vatican themselves anyway the stories that they're doing in the conjuring universe are events that ed and lorraine warren did have a part in okay now that's where the connection ends For example, uh, they were sent to Long Island to investigate the Amityville house. In the first movie uh, of The Conjuring, the original Conjuring, they were uh, asked to go to that place. But if you guys remember the movie and the big seance where uh, things go sideways in that seance, in the movie... They continue to stay and be embraced by the family. In reality, what happened was after that seance gone wrong, they were kicked out. So just an example of how it's loosely interpreted, loosely used based on real events and so on. Colette writes, I love it when it's based on a true story. Love paranormal. Me too, you know, and it's great. It's fine it adds a little pizzazz it adds it's it adds marketing value to put that in the beginning of a movie or tv show where it is inspired i prefer for them to say uh and this is being done a little bit more in recent films inspired by real events as opposed to based on true events you might ask yourself what's the difference in my mind, there is a little bit of a difference. If you're telling people that the story they're about to see was inspired by events that happened, it's a more factual statement than to say it is based on actual true events. Maybe it's just me, but I think it's uh, it's more factual to say it that way. Anyway, let's get on to some news we read the other day that uh, good old Carl Grimes, Chandler Riggs, was hospitalized. He tweeted from the hospital. Uh, nobody knew why. He didn't say why. He, uh, here, supposedly, they have some more information. Chandler Riggs is up and walking after being hospitalized for minor surgery. And the Walking Dead star wants no walker jokes. <laughs> On Wednesday, the former Carl Grimes actor tweeted a photo from his hospital bed informing his more than 1.5 million followers that his surgery went well and he's now recovering. After speaking out against the Robin Hood app for blocking hot stocks like GameStop, Riggs is out of the hospital and vowing to march on Wall Street. Now if you guys have no idea what that last sentence is talking about, Robin Hood, GameStop, and the stock. I had no idea what that was until I happened late last night to fall on a story that explained what it was. I'm not going to explain it. Uh, it's a little too complicated to explain, but it involves trading stocks in particular gamestop it involves multi-billion dollar hedge funds and the game of wall street anyway chandler Riggs did speak out against it they're going to do a march on wall street to protest what the app robin hood did in a 15 second video tweeted on thursday Riggs records himself passing through the frame with the assistance of his post-surgery walker. And he goes on to say, Watch out, Wall Street. Here I come, fresh out of surgery. If you rich bastards thought we was going to go down without a fight over GME, which is the stock ticker for GameStop, you are dead wrong. I've got a whole bottle of oxycodone, and I'm ready to make more poor financial decisions more today more tomorrow riggs tweeted alongside the video i'm going to play that video here in a second hey that's awesome you know that's a pretty ballsy statement to make and i i like it i like it a lot let's see if this video will play hold on i got to turn on the system sound for you guys to hear it all right let's see if this video will play There he is. With his walker. (laughs) I'm sorry, that's just funny. Okay. All right. Uh, No words. Uh, That's just funny. It's just him. Going across the frame in his walker, I feel for the guy. I've had three back surgeries, and it sucks. It sucks coming out of of any kind of surgery. Um, In a follow-up tweet, Riggs quipped, I swear to God, if I see a single walker joke referring to the common term for zombies in The Walking Dead, (laughs) that's all he wrote. In November 2019, Riggs was hospitalized after suffering a concussion when he fell from his horse. Riggs later revealed the injury left him with memory loss. Wow. Last January 21st, the 21-year-old actor worried fans when he published a video showing himself wiping out while snowboarding just weeks after his concussion. Since leaving The Walking Dead in its eighth season, where. Carl dies by suicide after suffering a walker bite. Riggs joined the ABC drama A Million Little Things in a reoccurring role as PJ. Riggs is also a popular live streamer and musician who releases music and performs under the handle Eclipse. How many of you guys knew that? I did not know that. In August, Riggs said he was open to reprising his Carl Grimes role in a flashback or a dream sequence either in The Walking Dead or the upcoming feature film starring TV dad, Andrew Lincoln's Rick Grimes. So there you guys have it. That's an update. We still don't know what the surgery was for. Minor surgery. He's up and about. Uh, like I said, I bet you it's something like he broke his big toe or something like that. So who knows? But he'll be fine. Lizzie Monk on Facebook writes, I love Rick. Uh, you're not alone in that one. Uh, uh, Lindsay writes, I understand, Viz. I, ha- I had heart surgery a few years ago. Yeah, surgery, any kind. It's no joke. Uh, so, American Horror Story. This is interesting. Why Kate Mara did not return after Murder House. Now, this is Kate Mara. She was in Murder House. How many House of Cards fans do we have out there? Uh the Netflix show with uh, Robin Wright and Kevin Spacey. Uh she was a very prominent character in the first season into season or two of House of Cards. And she's actually went on to appear in a lot of stuff. Uh I don't know, I think it was House of Cards. You could say that was her biggest break in her career, not American Horror Story. But anyway, let's go ahead and read what the article says. Kate Mara played a reoccurring character in American Horror Story Season 1, but it would serve as only her only appearance in the popular anthology series. As we all know, American Horror Story, it's a different story every season, and they like to bring back the same actors from prior seasons Kate Mara played a reoccurring character in season one but it would serve as her only purpose I hate how they repeat that header line again uh, which was dubbed murder house by viewers it premiered in 2011 setting the tone for Ryan Murphy and Brad Falchuk's new horror project the show has since become a pillar for FX original programming, nearing its milestone 10th season, with more in development. Over the years, certain cast members have grown into series regulars, but Mara isn't one of them. The reason for her long absence might be a surprising one to avid fans of the hit show. Murder House primarily focused on the Harmon family as they relocated from Boston to L.A. to begin a new chapter in their lives. Ben, played by Dylan McDermott, alongside his wife Vivian, played by Connie Britton, Britton, and teenage daughter Violet Thaisa Farmiga, who is still doing the show, moved into a restored mansion that happened to be haunted by ghosts. One of those spirits ended up being Hayden McLean, Ben's former mistress, played by Mara, who followed him to L.A. before being killed on the property. The marriage between Ben and Vivian was already fractured, but Hayden's presence complicated matters, especially as she actively tried to harass the family. Mara's character in Murder House appeared in a total of eight episodes, despite not being one of the main figures. Hayden left her mark as one of the season's most sadistic tormentors. Not only did she try to steal one of Vivian's babies after her own failed pregnancy, but Hayden was also responsible for Ben's murder. Granted, Hayden nor Mara ever returned to American Horror Story, even when the series returned to the murder house in season 8's Apocalypse, Mara's performance proved that she was capable of dynamic roles. But season 1 was her first and last role in the show, while some assumed that her busy schedule was to blame, that wasn't necessarily the case. I thought it's because she moved on to better, to bigger things. Um, since her role in AHS, Mara acquired notable roles in House of Cards, which I mentioned, Fantastic Four, The Martian, uh, and Chadda Pidwick. More recently, she had lead role in the drama series A Teacher. In an interview to discuss the gig via Collider, Mar explained her absence in American Horror Stories since Season 1, stating, No one invited me. I don't know. I wasn't invited back. That's odd. She went on to share her theory that viewers weren't very receptive to her character. I find that very hard to believe, claiming most people hate me on that show, which I take as a compliment. Which goes back to my saying is if you're made uh, to, if, as an actor, if you're given a role where you are meant to be an antagonist and hated and the viewers really ended up hating you, it means you did a damn good job at playing your role. While Hayden was a troublemaker on American Horror Story, any hate the figure received would have meant that Mara did her job. The character certainly wasn't intended to be likable based on her sinister motive. That said, it's still odd that the actress wasn't invited back, especially when looking at her growing status in the industry since season one, though she never made her way back to American Horror Story. Mara did re-team with Murphy and Falchuk in Pose, marking their third collaboration, Due to the recent gig, it's always possible that Mara finds her way back to the horror anthology at some point in the future. So that's it. Pretty simple. They never invited her back. And I know enough now to know that something, somewhere, probably behind her back, some people had some talks, and they stupidly decided that Moving forward with the show, it would be in the best interest in the show if she wasn't asked back. Well, it looks like she got the last laugh because her career just exploded very, very soon after uh, season one of American Horror Story. And I'm I'm curious to know that if they were to ask her now to come back, what would she say to them? having become such a big star in her own right. So, Colette writes, I liked Asylum. By far the best season of American Horror Story, hands down, which is season two. Uh, That's what really cemented uh, its place that this is going to be a hit show and it's going to be on for a while. And we're about to start season 10 at some point this year, probably sometime very soon. And uh, it's not going to stop there. It's going to keep going for a while. That's the beauty of anthology shows. You can just keep going and people don't necessarily get, you know, bored of the storyline and its twists and turns because every season is going to be a brand new story. It keeps a show fresh. And that's why anthologies have been so very well received, uh, you know since they started making them, God knows when that started. So anyway, Diandra is with us on Instagram. Uh, Marie's chiming in. She'd probably tell them where to, where to move it. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, they looked her over and like I said, I would be curious to find out if they do ask her to come back what her answer would be. Anyway, moving on. The, uh, this is from fan-sided undead walking. The Walking Dead survival rule of the week: a cold, cruel world. The Walking Dead survival rule of the week: a cold, cruel world. With all of the talking I've been doing about winter and the Walking Dead, I figured that this week I should probably dedicate my survival rule of the week to surviving in the winter that will inevitably come after the zombie outbreak begins to grow into a full-blown zombie apocalypse. Just because the dead may not do well when winter hits, doesn't mean it's going to be all peaches and cream for you. There's there's going to be a lot of new problems you may not have thought of. I'm hoping to ensure that you're ready for them. (coughs) This is weird. This guy is writing the article from a perspective as if the zombie apocalypse could very well happen, and his rules of the week, I'm assuming this is the first rule of the week that I read from him, is him preparing the general public uh, for if and when the real zombie apocalypse may break out, which is impossible, it's never going to happen, and... All this time I was wondering where people got the idea that zombies can possibly happen in real life. Well, this is sort of a hint right here uh, when you have, you know, blogs and pretty well-known media outlets writing articles feeding into that delusion. You know, Sammy says, I thought the season with Lady Gaga was pretty good. That was Roanoke. I forgot what season number of AHS that was, but that was the Roanoke season. I love that season as well. To continue with this, to that end, I'm going to lay out a series of things. I'm pretty sure you'll need to keep yourself alive in the winter, however long that may last for you and just why you'll need them, using what we've seen in the season of in the seasons of the Walking Dead and my own experiences. With the colder times of the year, I'm sure that if you live in a place where winter can get severe, you probably have most of these things available to you. And if not, they're probably not that hard to get a hold of. I'm sorry, I I can't continue with this. If I read this article any further, I am just as culpable as feeding into the delusion that people may have that zombies can actually... ...somehow, one day, realistically happen. And I can't do that. I can't, in good consciousness, do that. I'm sorry. So, let's move on to something else. Uh, Oh, okay. Jared Leto. And if you guys don't know who Jared Leto is... ...if you watch the movie The Suicide Squad... Jared Leto played the Joker. Okay, so that's him right there in the picture... So, uh, Jared Leto, Darren Aronofsky reunite for Blumhouse's supernatural horror, Adrift. And Blumhouse Productions has been busy. We've been reading a lot about them. They make great movies. Hats off to Jason Blum, who started the company. The supernatural horror drama, Adrift, is an adaptation of a short story of the same name by Koji Suzuki the writer behind The Ring. Oscar-winning Jared Leto is set to re with his Requiem for a dream filmmaker Darren Aronofsky's for Blumhouse's Adrift. The supernatural horror movie is an adaptation of a short story of the same name by Koji Suzuki, the writer behind *The Ring. The Ring, according to Hollywood Reporter. Aronofsky, known for movies such as Black Swan, The Fountain, and Mother, will direct the movie from a script that he will pen with Luke Dawson. In the dead calm of the open sea, a fishing boat discovers an abandoned yacht with a strange distress call. A deckhand agrees to take lone control of it while it's towed into port, but he soon discovers why the rest of his more experienced crew members call it a ghost ship, the official logline read. Okay? Blumhouse's Jason Blum will produce the movie, along with Lido and Emma Ludbrook, through the actor's production company Paradox. Lido, who won an Oscar for Best Supporting Actor for Dallas Buyers Club, Currently features in the Warner Brothers Little Things co-starring Denzel Washington and Rami Malek. The actor is also headlining Sony Pictures' Morbius, which we did read about, which will debut worldwide this month. No, sorry, uh, a year from now, uh, in January 2022. So Jared Leto is a very talented actor looking forward to seeing his stuff i'm just keeping an eye on the time here let's see what else do we have no 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 you know saint Maud is a movie we've been hearing a lot about that's coming out this year as one of the best horror movies that's going to be released in 2021 Uh, It's been called Brilliant and Whatnot. When you pray, do you get a response? A terminally ill cancer patient named Amanda poses this innocent-sounding but loaded question to her nurse, Maud. Amanda knows that Maud is religious and says her nightly prayers, but Maud reveals that her devotion to God runs even deeper. Sometimes he talks, the nurse replies, most of the time, it's just like he's physically in me or around me. It's how he guides me. Like when he's pleased, it's like a shiver or sometimes it's pulsing and it's all warm and good. He's just there. Maud delivers the speech with warm romanticism, an ode to a presence only she can feel. But Rose Glass's exciting directorial debut film, which is called Saint Maud, imbues the devoutness with tension and doubt. This small-scale chamber piece embraces elements of celestial horror, teasing dark questions. Is Maud a mousy home nurse who has visions of angels and demons? Really a servant of God who's been drafted into a grand war against evil? Or is she just a troubled young woman on the verge of committing terrible acts? The clever script written by Glass herself is designed to keep the viewer guessing until the very last minute. And it's the foundation of the first great horror movie of the year. St. Maud premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival back in 2019 and was due for release last April, before COVID, of course. It's finally debuting in theaters today. All right. Uh, That's kind of a loaded statement. Uh, It's debuting in theaters that are currently open today and will begin an exclusive run on the Cable Network Epics on February 12th. So, if you guys are not into, well, first of all, if you don't have a movie theater that's open nearby, or if you wouldn't go to a movie theater because of the COVID pandemic that's still raging right now, you don't have to wait long if you want to watch this movie. If you have the Cable Network Channel Epics, it will be on there on February 12th. Fortunately, it's the kind of intimate and intense work that can feel just as scary at home as it does on the big screen. This surreal character study luxuriates in the fantastic visions and gory body horror playing out inside the head of one mysterious young woman. So there you guys have it. Khaleesi writes that American Horror Story Roanoke is season six. Yep. Colette writes, Viz, can't you do two hours? It goes too fast. Oh, boy. No, no, no. (laughs) One hour is plenty. One hour is plenty. Uh, I love talking to you guys, but uh, I give it 110% of everything I have in me to give you guys the best experience I can possibly give you. So... For right now, let's just stick to an hour. And also, this is a daily show. Every person I've spoken to, including celebrities, uh, especially celebrities, at our you know after the show ends and we say our goodbyes on Skype, uh, so many of them have asked me, "You do this every day?" I'm like, "Yeah." <laughs> They're like, "Wow, yeah, yeah, every day except Sunday." And I was doing it seven days a week up until October fourth uh when the walking dead finale aired i decided to not uh obviously have a show that sunday and i like having one day off a week at least one day off and it's not a day off it's just a day where i just don't do this show i still work because there's a whole bunch of stuff that goes into making this show But it's one thing where I don't have to keep an eye on the clock to make sure that I'm ready to go by 9.30 p.m. So thank you, but uh, let's just stick for one hour for now. So let's get to our topic for today, all right? Uh, We talked about this at the beginning of the show, the whole true events thing. Uh, I found a video that rates the best horror movies that are quote-unquote inspired by real events we're gonna take a look at this video we're gonna rate it of course we'll talk our way through it whether we agree or disagree but let's just go ahead and take a look at this right you know this thing always freaking freezes when i go to play it so i have to reload it all right here we go
1: Top 10 Best Horror Movies Based on Real Events. Yeah. I'm crazy after all. Ah! Be very careful. I'll take you along the darkest and scariest way of film with things that you could have lived.
0: Did you see that? I have to pause it. Did you see that scene of the person walking upside down down the stairs? That's the Linda Blair Exorcist scene that was cut from the main movie that I was talking about a couple of episodes ago that was it
1: reality surpasses the fiction number 10 scream 1996
0: here's how we play i ask a question if you get it right steve lives
1: in this way begins the massacre of this great franchise by introducing you to ghostface a masked killer who kills horror-loving students using only a knife in a fictional city in California. The screenwriter, Kevin Williamson, was inspired by a report that he saw on television about a killer named Danny Rowling, known more as Gainesville Ripper, a maniac who killed five college students in Gainesville, Florida over four days in August, 1990. Worst of all is that the killer left the bodies in disturbing positions and dismembered, horrifying whoever saw them. What most captivated the screenwriter is that the killer had no reason to kill, just like the deranged Ghostface.
0: I don't really believe in motive, Sid. I mean, did Norman Bates have a motive? No. Did they ever really
1: decide why Hannibal Lecter liked to eat people? Don't think so. See, it's a lot scarier when there's no motive, Sid. Number nine, The Conjuring, 2013. One of the best horror movies of the 21st century, directed by James Wan. The Conjuring shows the worst fears of people and the best part is that it's based on real events. Right, it. it's impossible. It's based Nothing on real is people. impossible. The film tells an event that impacted the Perron family in the 70s. They lived paranormal experiences in their new home in Rhode Island. First day, the owner says do your family a favor, keep the lights on at night. Roger Perron, the father didn't think it was real until things began to disappear and to be disturbed by spirits, and above all, being horrified by the ghost of Bathsheba, former late owner of the house, who wanted to kick them out of her house. That's when some family friends contacted Ed and Lorraine Warren, paranormal investigators who, upon entering the house, felt that dark presence which made gotta, them take the decision. I to go
0: back to that. I wanna show you. For those that don't know, let me see if I can find it. Boring paranormal invest. You see that doll? That's Annabelle. That's what the real Annabelle looks like. Uh, I don't know how many of you guys. I talked about this a while ago as well. Uh, how it looks like a big old raggedy Ann doll, not the spooky doll that we see in the movies. But uh, Lorraine Warren, right there, is that's the real Annabelle. That's that's what it looks like
1: who, upon entering the house, felt that dark presence which made them take the decision to hold a session of spiritualism. Unfortunately, they caused Carolyn, the mother, to be possessed by Bathsheba, causing a disturbing scene that they would never forget. <laughs> Number 8. The Exorcist, 1973 This is a great cult film. Directed by William Friedkin, which became the first horror feature film to be nominated for Best Film at the Academy Awards. This terrifying story came from William Peter Blatty's book and was written in 1971, a story inspired by a real event. Wait, what? What you heard? And is that in 1949 in the United States? Some priests practiced exorcism to a 13-year-old boy nicknamed Roland Doe who was possessed by the devil. Roland had a special bond with his Aunt Harriet who was a spiritualist and, when she died, the little boy wanted to contact her through the Ouija board and that's when he began to have strange behavior. In short, he had scratches all over his body. He shouted with an underworld voice. What's more, he cursed the priests. Stick your copper you costume, worthless.
0: C-er. Be silent.
1: In the end, he was able to free himself from the devil, but no one takes away what the poor child has lived.
0: It took Number seven, repeated
1: Poltergeist, Ascisms. 1982. I'll continue with a spooky cult horror movie that terrified viewers in the '80s. It's still traumatic to see the clown trying to kill the child and. hear the little girl say they're here, I get chills. Believe it or not, Poltergeist is based on real life events. This happened to the Herman family of Long Island, New York. They said their house was haunted and they were chased by a poltergeist. This was evidenced when they saw the bottle caps fly out for no reason. Even a figure of the Virgin Mary rose up into the air and hit a mirror 12 feet away. Despite contacting a priest and ministers of all kinds of religions, the house was still haunted. This event caught the attention of Spielberg, the director of the film, when he read it in Life magazine. A curse that chased them until after the movie was made. Do you remember what the actors lived? Let me know in your comment, please. Number 6. IT 2017 Whoa hasn't shouted to see pennywise and even if he appears like this oh well i'm pennywise and dancing clown i can't help but be afraid of it pennywise is a disturbing character that came out of stephen king's eponymous novel and it's inspired by serial killer john wayne gacy who was accused of killing 33 young men and teenagers in chicago in the 70s this is his statement to be an angel, and I've, I've openly admitted to everything this I'm psycho around. abducted his victim, this attacked him sexually, and freak. strangled him to death. Sometimes he did it dressed as his alter ego, Pogo the Clown. I, uh, I'm Pogo. <laughs> a costume he used to cheer up children in hospitals. Although King's original idea was to write about a troll under a bridge, he played with childhood fears and included a clown as an otherworldly being with exaggerated features and makeup that dehumanizes him. Pogo the Clown, also known by the media as the Killer Clown, was one of the most ruthless killers of all time. So what do you guys think? Is it an alien or a demon? Number 5. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre, 1974 I'll never forget how Leatherface caught that poor girl who ran away desperately It makes my hair stand on end definitely toby hooper the director of the film knew how to revolutionize the horror genre promoting it as if it were a true story taken to the big screen but you know that reality is more chilling than fiction and this time is no exception the texas chainsaw massacre is inspired by the maniacal serial killer ed Gein, also known as the butcher of plainfield He was raised by an extremist Christian mother who isolated him from the outside world and mistreated him physically and psychologically. When his mother died, Ed began to dig up corpses from the cemetery and make mementos of bones and skin, like in the
0: movie. Ed is considered America's first. With the skin, he also made masks and
1: women's clothing. And since stealing corpses weren't enough for him, he killed some women. Because of that, Justice sentenced him to a psychiatric hospital for being mentally incompetent. Number four, A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984. It's hard to forget that macabre laugh of those irritating claws. And even though you know it's just a dream, it's impossible not to panic. Come to Freddy this great franchise, made by the horror genius Wes Craven, keeps Freddy Krueger as an iconic character to this day. The best of all is that Wes based it on a newspaper article where they talked about a phenomenon that happened to young adults in Southeast Asia. These were healthy men, without history of mental disorders. However, suddenly, they began to have horrible nightmares that forced them not to sleep so as to not live that terror. At the beginning, they stayed awake. But at the end, they always fell asleep. Hours later, they were screaming and violently hitting their beds and died of unknown causes. These events became the main plot of A Nightmare on I didn't Elm Street. Know that. Great. I won't sleep tonight. I didn't know that. No. Number three, Halloween 1978. Seeing this one? And this other one? frightens me a lot. A Halloween has Michael Myers as the masked killer who loves to disturb his victim to death. But the most terrifying thing is that the director and co-writer, John Carpenter, was inspired by an experience. He lived in a psychiatric hospital in Kentucky during his time as a student. And I visited the most serious mentally ill patients. And there was this kid, I must have been 12 or 13. And he literally had this look. A look described by Dr. Loomis like,
0: Blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes. Donald Pleasant was such a the huge part of success of Halloween.
1: This really had a big impact on John that it was perfect for his horror movie. There's another theory where he's compared with the killer Edmund Kemper, since they both killed a member of their family when they were children. What's more, they were both the same height and enjoyed to stab and strangle their victims. So tell me. What other theory do you know about this masked killer? Number 2. The Silence of the Lambs, 1991 Dr. Lecter? A character you will never forget. This great film comes from the homonymous novel of American writer Thomas Harris that gives life to the charismatic Dr. Hannibal Lecter and the ruthless Buffalo Bill two human beings that you'd think could never exist in real life. You're wrong, because Thomas was inspired by several real killers for the creation of these two individuals, and along with Jonathan Demme, the film's director, the most terrifying and iconic characters of horror films took shape on the big screen. Dr. Hannibal Lecter is based on a real medical surgeon in Mexico called Alfredo Bali Travino, who was convicted of murder and dismemberment. This killer had a certain elegance that made him an admirable person, but also a person to fear. I could even tell you that he was more frightening than the fictional Hannibal Lecter. In the case of Buffalo Bill, he was a collage of killers, though the main one was Ed Gein, due to his psychotic behavior and his fascination for having objects and clothes made of human skin. A creepy movie in which reality surpasses the fiction. Number 1. Psycho, 1960. It's remembered for its famous bath scene and accompanied by a scary song that makes your hair stand on end. Psycho is a film full of tact, flair, and art. Directed by the great horror film director Alfred Hitchcock, it achieved great box office success. This work of art was inspired by Robert Bloch's homonymous novel, which tells the story of an eccentric motel owner, Norman Bates, who lived with his mother. In this place happens inexplicable situations that will disturb your mind. But what will scare you the most is the real story, since it's inspired by the well-known serial killer Ed Gein, Gein a lunatic who was described by me in previous Again, time. It,
0: goes, it all goes back to Ed Gein. Uh, yeah, the guy was twisted. If you guys don't know the story, the real-life story of Ed Gein, He's considered, uh, you know, one of America's first recognized serial killers. The guy was sick. There's no other way to put it. He was a sick freak. Anyway, we're out of time. I want to thank you guys so much for tuning in tonight. It's been a pleasure, as always, talking with you and sharing with you. I'll be back on the air tomorrow. Uh, Enjoy your weekend. Please go to deadtalklive.com to check us out on the web. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, Dead Talk Live, and if you're there right now, please hit the thumbs up button on this broadcast. Everyone stay safe, and until tomorrow night, guys, remember, stay walking. Good night.